0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Now You're Playing With Power, a Nintendo podcast. This here is the first show of 2015. It is, of course, number 31, and uh, my name's MBZ. I'm joined, of course, as always, by my co-host. It is Bally. How are you doing, Bally? Happy New Year, MBZ. Excited for what
1: is looking like an incredible year on paper. Like, this could be a big one.
0: It could be potentially humongous. 2015 has a lot of... um, you know things that could be the best that there ever was of anything so uh so let's hold out uh let's hold out hope and uh maybe we shall get rewards in return um but uh, you know we've got to start things off with a bang we're going to get straight into the show here uh in the new year and uh bali why don't you tell everyone what we're going to be talking about today
1: so we're going to talk about what we've been playing we have your emails as normal and then for our third segment we are going to first of all look back on our predictions from the start of 2014
0: oh that'll be fun and see
1: who was right who was wrong on what and then we're going to be talking about 2015 and making a few more predictions
0: Absolutely, it's a uh, it's a nice tradition to keep. I think, uh, and it's one that's always fun to look back on in the coming year and and see how utterly wrong we were. So uh, I uh, I expect to uh, be terrible, but that's kind of the fun of it. You know, that's uh, the point. So, uh, yeah, uh, we haven't uh, done emails in a while, so that's good. We're going to get to those. But before we do all that, let's just talk about the stuff that we've been playing recently. So, you know, had a nice break over Christmas and uh, the new year. So, Bali, have you been playing some video games or, or what? Quite a bit,
1: yeah. Um,
0: so I was uploading
1: all of my um, games to Backloggery.
0: Yeah, time to plug pl- uh, plug your backlog. Plug my backlog.
1: I'm Ballyman ninety one, and yeah, add me. That'd be great. Um, yeah. So I added. I'm now on I think about a hundred and sixty games or something around that sure. number. Yeah. Um, and you, I, I told you when I did it, and you were just looking back through my Backlogger, and then you were just like. Bally, you've never finished New Super Mario Bros. And I was like, yeah, no, I've not. And we're talking about the DS version.
0: Yeah, the original New Super Mario Bros. Back when it was actually ethical to call it New Super Mario Bros. Which was
1: 2006, I think, which is a long Uh, time ago. Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just decided I've not got much to do left in that game. I'll just go back and finish that quickly. So I just had the final boss to do and... The whole of World 7 because I'd never accessed that. And, you know, I was so critical of um, Super Mario World, and I have been a bit critical of New Super Mario Bros. U in the past. And this game is basically the same format, but just the fact that it's easy, an easier game, I feel, makes that whole broken save system a bit more bearable and just works better. So I actually probably prefer it to Super Mario World by quite some way.
0: There's kind of this beautiful simplicity to the original New Super Mario Brothers, you know, um, it was yeah. the first time they had that art style, and they were kind of messing around with the, these, like, the giant mushroom, and there were some cool new ideas in there, and it wasn't too difficult, but it was still an enjoyable platformer for what it yeah. was, I thought.
1: And there was also the introduction of the elevator music, which is
0: <laughs> was, yeah, was fine at the time. Very well-worn uh, yeah. territory, I say, but... Uh yeah absolutely so uh, you completely finished that up then you went through the last world and yeah completely finished it um,
1: I just think that it's got more it's better than you in many ways because it's got more unique bosses like PT Piranhas there for example um, although I guess you does have all the extra side sort of stuff you can do so I don't know they're quite close in terms of overall what I think is a better game and obviously I still have to finish you um, so yes, I will be do. doing that <laughs> in 2015 but Yeah, so, got that out of the way, ticked it off the backlog, and then, yeah, both of us have been dipping into the the game that sort of came out at the end of 2014, start of 2015 for us in Europe, and that is Captain Toad Treasure Tracker.
0: Yeah, and I think before we talk about the game itself, we should probably talk about the circumstances surrounding its release, and what a... Kind of massive fuck up and kerfuffle it was um, because so the thing with Captain Toad is it was planned to be released on the second of January 2015 so it was a 2015 game for Europe so we had to wait we thought okay that's fine we'll get here and we'll just get it then but then a weird thing happened when retailers started shipping it early to people and uh, most notably Game who's the biggest um, retail space owning um, Shop, I guess, in the UK uh, for video games. Uh, started selling it not only online early but also in their physical stores which was like wait a second what's going on here are they like breaking complete embargo uh or what and you know nintendo didn't seem to respond or anything um but it turned out that like because this happened everyone started getting it early and as a result i ordered it online i ordered from a place called shop 2 and they got it to me by i guess like the 20th or so of december so i've had it for quite a long time now uh well before i was supposed to so
1: yeah, it was a bit weird, and like when I was playing the game, I wanted to immediately post to Meverse, and obviously you couldn't because the the European Meverse community for the game didn't launch until the actual official release date of the game. So it was right, just absolutely. a bit. It's a bit weird. It'd
0: be nice if it could all just come out at
1: the same time in future.
0: I um, think it really made sense for the retailers to go ahead and do it early, though, because they wanted to get there before people had Christmas you know January the 2nd is not a prime time for buying new products I would say no not so at all. I think they just wanted to take advantage of that as much as possible um and it was nice because I mean I got it early but um I don't know, it was, it was just a weird situation all around. But, you know, let's that's, that's, uh, get rid of all the outskirts, and let's get to the meat of the sandwich here, Bally. Uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. So this is obviously uh, kind of a spin-off game from the folks over at EAD Tokyo, who we know and love for their work on the Galaxy games and Mario 3D Land and World, and, you know, in their very long past, uh, Donkey Kong uh, Jungle Beat is yes, what it's called, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Um, so, yes, uh, heavy pedigree, uh, this team has, and uh, they have come to us with the expansion of that uh, initial idea of those Toad levels that popped up in 3D World. Um, so yeah, what, what do you think of it so far, Bally? How have you been enjoying Captain Toad? I've, I've been loving it, but just before I say that, I th- I,
1: I just want to say that it was amazing the, the number of fans and different, certainly, podcasts I listened to that said, it'd be really nice when 3D World came out, they said it'd be really yeah. nice if Nintendo would make an entire game just dedicated to those uh, levels with Toad, and everyone was wanting it, but I don't think any of us realistically thought that, like, Nintendo would actually do it. I I certainly didn't. I thought, like, it's a
0: nice pipe dream if I thought they were going to do it I expected it to be a digital download kind of like a small pack of levels or whatever and I certainly didn't expect it to be like this full blown retail product which it ended up being uh, despite the fact that yes it is is lower priced than your standard game um, but yeah it was it was a really nice surprise especially for me because you know my perspective on 3D World is slightly more negative than I guess a lot of people's was uh, because I was slightly disappointed that there weren't many new ideas in there. But the one thing that I really thought was great and was a fantastic new idea were these toad levels. So the fact that they took my favorite aspect of that game and just fleshed it out, uh, I was really happy about. It. I was really pleased with it. So, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm. I know you finished the game, um, not 100, percent but you've like reached the end of the game. I've. Basically, got to level 20 of episode 3, so there's still like some of the more challenging final levels to go. And I know that there's a plot twist at the end that we won't spoil, um, which but... is
0: weird to say concerning a Mario game, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's but a weird thing. Of
1: what I've played, I am like, I think just um, EAD Tokyo have hit it out of the park again. Like, they just don't make bad games because I. This game is a lot more fun and. I find that I actually find it relatively challenging at times because I've up right up until about halfway through episode three, I've been trying to hundred percent every level as I go, and right. just sort of some of the challenges in trying to find certain golden mushrooms or even certain gems, and sometimes even just finishing finishing the level. Like I really have to just stop and think, and I have had to gone have to go online and check out a guide on a few levels just because. They're really intricately designed, and it's really impressive because many of the stages are very, very small in terms of geographical space, but they just pack in. It's like its own little puzzle that you could just pick up in your hand, but they've actually just created these corridors and ladders and different tunnels and loads of intricate things that you don't initially see but have to keep twisting around that block in order to find it all
0: right and i think that's the key thing here is perspective right because you assume like i've looked everywhere i've been around this whole level i've looked everywhere i've done absolutely everything but you won't have looked at it from some perspective some (laughs) angles and that's what they really get you with is like they've hidden these things in such a way that they really require a you know distinct manipulation of uh, the camera around you um so it's yeah it's really smart it's just super smart level design and i do agree with you know the idea of going through and playing this game to get everything that's in the level because that's where you really appreciate how much you know detail goes into the design of everything and patrick klepik from giant bombs now moved on to Kotaku's. always talks about how in the you know modern era of mario games you get the most out of the level the more you put in if you are willing to go out of your way to find all the hidden stars or the hidden um you know star coins or whatever they are um that is how you really appreciate what the designers are doing because otherwise if you're just waltzing through and going straight for the star there really isn't that much uh, I don't know, challenging or interesting and happening. It's it's very simple, um, which is why you know a lot of people are saying, "Hey, you can beat this level in twenty seconds." But if you take another look at it, you could be spending ten minutes there. You know, so it's it's all about the way that you approach it. I feel with Captain Toad,
1: and I I really like that they they've taken an awful lot of assets and ideas from three D World, and I actually don't really have a problem with that. I mean, in the same way. Game Mario games in the past like Galaxy 1 and Galaxy 2, they're, they're using so many assets off each other. Or even further back, I'd argue that um, a game like Mario Kart Double Dash is really trying to recreate a lot of the world and the style of um, Super Mario Sunshine. So I, I really do actually quite like... That they've copied a lot of stuff from 3d world whether it's music enemies um even like level design in terms of the, the types of platforms um there's they keep they use the blocks that you tap on the wii u gamepad a lot in this game i find like almost about one in six or seven levels i felt had those blocks that you can tap and on the Wii U gamepad and they'll they'll move and create some really intricate puzzles like that. I feel they those that idea works a lot better in this game than it did for three d world
0: yeah it, it certainly does but i mean you know talking about that let's talk about the gamepad and how it's implemented um obviously you can off tv play but there are certain points where it kind of interferes with the screen you know, you know when you're going up to the turnstiles there'll be this big circle that shows up on the bottom screen yeah. where you have to twist it which kind of gets in the way and is a little bit annoying sometimes um but certainly when you're getting to those levels where you have to touch the platforms to move them you really have to be focusing on the actual gamepad itself as opposed to the tv otherwise you're kind of of pointing aimlessly and not really hitting what you want to hit Um, if you're trying to kind of remotely do it. It's it's not like the DS where the screens are kind of attached to each other, so it's much easier to do that. So it becomes a little bit more uh, troublesome. I feel they do some cool stuff with that touchscreen. um you know manipulation, but I find that there are problems certainly later on when you're having to juggle too many things at once, and I feel this is just an issue with the idea of the camera on one stick being moving on the other, and then having to have the run button on one of the face buttons when you're you really just don't have enough digits on your hand to deal with the amount of inputs that you're doing because you're dealing with the touch screen, the camera movement, and running all simultaneously, uh, while having to concentrate on the action and whether you're getting away from the enemy or not comes a little bit cumbersome, I feel. If but, they just uh... mapped
1: running to like a shoulder button, it would have helped yeah. quite a lot. I'm, I would say, um, sure. And one issue I find with the get use of the gamepad and those touch levels, where you have got those blocks, is that it's kind of that issue that we're a bit worried about for Kirby Rainbow Curse, and that it's this is a visually really impressive game. You, you oh, know, absolutely. Like same yeah. same art style as 3D World looks really great, but while you're playing these levels you're just looking at the game pad and this incredibly good looking level is taking place on the screen but you don't benefit from looking at the tv screen because you need to be constantly touching these pads like for example there's i just did a um, one of the bosses which is quite impressive like visually but that basically the whole boss is based around these touch um blocks so you're constantly looking at the gamepad and missing out on like all the graphical um finesse that this boss has i mean i don't want to spoil the boss necessarily or maybe i can well i don't
0: think that you can spoil bosses in this game because let's move on to (laughs) the ead tokyo problem that has plagued them literally since their inception um they have no diversity when it comes to boss battles. They, they'll they take like two or three things, have really cool ideas about them, but then they just reuse them again and again and again. And uh, Captain Toad is certainly um, no stranger to that formula, as you can see. I would say
1: they... Now I've only repeated one of the bosses, and there are only two bosses. Well, you will repeat the other boss, <laughs> let will tell you as for a guaranteed the one, fact. For the one boss I have repeated, I feel like they... While the boss itself is the same, I do feel like it is... They have tried to do different stuff with the level. Right. Like, it's the same format. They're keeping the same concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: But they're evolving that formula um, in really interesting ways. And I, I do, to some degree, forgive them because, you know, a lot of what they're doing with the bosses in this game is not just a straight-on assault it's not like your standard mario because you can't jump on anything right captain Toad doesn't have that ability so what they have to do is create these platforming uh, challenges where you're avoiding stuff and getting out the way and you know being hidden behind cover and that kind of stuff uh which is really a much more interesting way to deal with bosses um and reminds me a lot of what they did in 3d land where all the bosses were way more platforming based than just bonking someone on the head and that's something i think that's a real strength in boss design that ead tokyo have kind of brought to the scene um you know whereas in something like mario 64 or sunshine not a lot of platforming happening it's much more to do with how many times can i hit this guy yeah so yeah
1: and like, I think the other intricate ways they've developed of defeating enemies, for, for example, like you can cl- just climb down a ladder onto a Shy Guy, or you can just walk off a platform from an elevated height and just time it so that you land on a Goomba or a Shy Guy or whatever. There's some other new... Right, it's figuring enemy. out yeah. ways to
0: kill these simple, simple enemies without the ability to jump, so... Yeah super smart and often
1: they have pipes that lead to on top of enemies and things like that and it's just really clever level design that's decided right you're right toad can't jump but we'll introduce all this other cool stuff that allows him to defeat quite a lot of enemies and obviously you can also pick up turnips and throw those at enemies and that's a that's a mechanic that is used frequently throughout the game almost every level has like little patches of turnips with hidden things and stuff like that and It's just really well
0: designed. and I mean, speaking of turnips, what did you think of those minecart levels they did with the first person turnip shooting? Were you a fan of those or do you think that was a little bit too much uh, added onto this game?
1: I had mixed feelings on them. Um, On the uh, face of it, I think it is so similar to Pokemon Snap. It's Right, exactly. You're this kind of on-rails thing and trying to get things as you go. It's this, this pressure of trying to do as much on rails as possible in the short time space before you pass on past an obstacle or something. It's about trying to shoot everything because now it's kind of in the same way as Pokemon Snap. In Pokemon Snap, you'll take a Pokemon. If you miss that Pokemon, you you do the level again another time. It's a bit like that in that say you miss a gem, you'll still reach the end of the level, come back, do the level again. So it's not like it's a massive pressure, but it is good fun. I don't think the controls are incredibly well implemented. I don't know. It was a bit... Because you can... You can use a combination of moving the gamepad around as well as moving an analog stick and yeah it's it...
0: kind of a similar thing they did in ocarina 3d and in wind waker um when you go yeah. through gyro controls yeah i absolutely. just felt
1: it it felt a bit more sturdy in um wind waker and i guess that's because you're stationary you're not moving um yeah so this idea of moving and then on top of that you're panning around it wasn't Amazing! It was good fun, and they don't. It's not like they bombard you with these levels. I think there's maybe like three or four of them in the whole game, which is fine. Um So I liked it, but it's not exactly leaving me wanting them to make a whole game just based on
0: that one concept. No, <laughs> let's, it's, it's let's, totally let's part of
1: a game that's based on one little concept
0: from another game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They could get real Inception with this. Yeah, shit, exactly. Right? They're like, oh, let's take this turnip thing and make this a whole game onto yeah. itself. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it certainly proves if nothing else that there is potential for Pokémon Snap to work with a gamepad as long as they kind of fix that gyro stuff and make it more sturdy like it is in uh, in Wind Waker. Um mm. yeah, it's a really kind of uh, exciting concept uh, yeah. and um, you know, it could lead to some fun things in the future. So I hope so, you know. We'll we'll see. Um but yeah, so uh, you're you're trucking through onto the third level. Um you uh think that you could Deal with much more of it, or is it kind of outstaying its welcome? Do you think that there's you know a good amount of content here, or is there too much, too little? How do you feel in terms of the value it, proposition?
1: It, it was really hyped, as everyone saying, "Oh, there's not enough levels. There's not enough levels." It's like I've played like ten to eleven hours, and I'm I've still got a good couple, three, maybe three hours left to try and hundred percent this game. So I don't think that fourteen, fifteen hours to hundred percent a game like this is is short at all like i think it's the perfect length i wouldn't want it much shorter and i don't think it would work very well being much longer so yeah i'm quite happy with the length um so yeah do you do you think it's a good length
0: um i mean for me it works uh but the problem i have more so than anything is when you're getting to the late game you know i I was trying to you know, get all the bonus objectives and do all, all the, you know, stars or whatever they're called. They're like um gems. Diamonds. Yeah, gems, gems. Yeah. Um so I was trying to do that similar to you and get everything as I went through and um you get to the late game and there are some of those challenges which are just agonizingly frustrating to do to the point at which like i just wanted to put the controller down and not play anymore which is which is really bad and i I don't want to have that kind of bad taste in my mouth um and so for that reason like you know i did spend a really good amount of time with the game but i have just decided i'm not going to go back and 100 percent it because it's it's more frustration than it's worth and in the end like the bonus stuff that you unlock for getting everything nowhere near as cool as the stuff you get in 3d land or 3d world um it's it just seems like levels that are even more annoying and frustrating uh so i think i can leave that kind of safely and not be worried about them
1: um i think i think i'm gonna plow on and do it you know i think it's a bit i'm not it's kind of a bit like maybe donkey kong tropical freeze like i'm not going to do that and that be my only thing but it's going to be a thing i pick up every now and then and just kind of grind my way through those tougher levels to 100 percent at the end um but i'm certainly going to invest a good couple of hours to first of all get to the end of the game and then i'm going to go back and just have a go at trying to 100 percent a few bits and bobs here and there but um yeah i i'm thoroughly pleased overall with it and did
0: you uh play much of the three D world levels that they implemented? Yeah, I've this?
1: that is actually a bit uh, one negative I would say in the game. It's that they're a bit weird. So there's these levels that they've just basically shoehorned in from three D world but then done a few little changes to them that allows Toad to basically go through them without jumping.
0: Yeah, adding like extra tubes and ladders yeah. for him to move uh, around. They're yeah. just
1: a bit they're far too wide open um, and large for the idea of Captain Toad and yeah. it, they just don't work, they just feel a bit pointless and... Yeah, they do
0: definitely feel like we need some more content in this game let's just throw these levels in there and, yeah. and try and add something to you know make the value proposition even better um, but yeah, I agree I think it's cool as a kind of homage, but ultimately they're kind of unnecessary and they don't need to be there. Although having said that, um <laughs> it does kind of interrelate with what happens at the end of the game. So I from a story perspective, I think it's actually super cool and smart, but um but you'll you'll find out why when you I'm get very intrigued now.
1: I, I've yeah. got to finish it. Okay. Yeah,
0: cool. yeah. We'll see. Do
1: I just have yeah. to co- complete the main episodes or do I have to complete those extra levels as well to find out the the cool Stuff.
0: No, no. You see the this kind of ending cutscene, as it were, uh, after you finish the final boss. So uh, okay, yeah, that doesn't require any extras whatsoever. So. Excellent. Yeah, that's really good. So yeah, I mean, yeah, Captain Toad was pretty pretty good experience. I think. You know? Are we going to count it for potentially
1: games of the year in 2015? Then, or are we going to keep it to 2014?
0: I think we should count it for 2015 okay. because. By the time that we actually approached our Game of the Year stuff, it was far too early. We, Captain Toad hadn't come out yet when we recorded that. Um, and, you know, I I think that because of the way it was actually technically supposed to be released in 2015, we should adhere to that and leave it in the mix. Although, if you think about it, it may get lost in the noise, potentially, because 2015 shaping up to be pretty grand. Uh, so... we'll we'll throw it in there we'll throw it in there certainly Um, and hey we're talking about it on our 2015 show so makes sense for it to stay in this year and uh, yeah might as well might as well add another one to to the bucket Um, yeah good stuff you've been playing anything else MBZ Uh, so yeah apart from Captain Toad um, I've I you know sometimes I get into these Ruts where I'm like, oh, I don't know what to play next. So I have like <laughs> two billion Steam games. My Vita's sitting there with you know a giant RPG on it. I've got some eShop stuff. I've got things like on virtual cons. I have too many games, value Like it's a it's a sickness. It's a problem. <sighs> um, so I decided I was gonna sit down. I was like. Uh, what what do I want to play? And I remember I just watched Total Biscuit's top ten games of 2014, and one of the games he brought up really quite high on his list at number three uh, was this small game called One Finger Death Punch. Um, and I was like, oh, I remember him doing uh, you know, a video on that, and I was really interested in it. And uh, across the course of 2014 through a humble bundle or something which I can't remember. I checked my Steam library and it was there. So I was like, "Oh, I own this." Cuz I went to Steam to buy it and then I <laughs> Oh, I, I don't I read... know what I own. Let's have a <laughs> browse through. <laughs> I realize I already own. it. It's the so way, way that like... you like
1: lo- you can look up a game that's been reviewed or someone said is really good and you're like, "Hey, I might
0: own that." And then you look through your yeah. massive
1: <laughs> list of games like, "Oh yeah, I do own that. Let's
0: play." Yeah. That. So so anyway, I go uh, go to my Steam thing. I download it onto my laptop. It's it's a really like simple, um, flash style game. Like animation wise, it it reminds me so much of back in the day i I can't remember if you were really doing this stuff but back in like the end of my prep school i was watching lots of stuff on Newgrounds and like these flash animation sites all these animations and stuff and all these stick figure things and so this game is basically those flash animations realized into a video game where you fight other stick figures but the way you do it is using the two mouse buttons so you are in the centre of the screen and from the left and the right enemies are going to come running at you and you basically click left and click right to kill them. Sounds really simple, right? That sounds like the most basic concept for a game ever. So
1: so why is it called single-fingered Death punch one finger death. One punch finger death. Punch punch. death punch. If you're using
0: two fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was just because it sounded cool, but you know, whatever. It's I think the idea is it's supposed to be a very simple game. Um but what they do is make it so fucking satisfying, okay? They use okay, so there's no rumble bayonetta light I'm using a mouse. Yeah, bayonet light. <laughs> yeah, actually that's a really great comparison. <laughs> um it's, it's this like kind of 2D... Yeah, but it is like a spectacle fighter because the amount of animations they have and the amount of cool things the stick figure pulls off, there's slow-mo that goes into play, there's like picking up weapons and throwing them at people, and it's all done with the click of the mouse buttons, and it gets more complex. You Sometimes there'll be enemies which require two clicks, There's sometimes be enemies which jump from one side to the other, so you have to click left, then click right to kill them. And yes, this sounds kind of mundane, right? You're just clicking buttons, but the audio and visual feedback you get from clicking those buttons makes you feel so powerful it's like holy shit I am this tiny stick figure and yet I am pulling off these insane incredible moves and it's just super satisfying and it's really funny because it requires this intense level of concentration and you often you know we're on Skype listening to me playing this game and you're like oh you're playing that game again aren't you cuz all you can hear is like click, 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 <laughs> the, the clicking away of my mouse as it goes and just like um you know taps away and killing people uh so yeah it's pff, fucking it's really cool the thing with one finger death punch is it's like super low on the production value when you look at it from you know just a visual perspective from screenshots or something but when it starts going it's like wow they went simple for a reason because they can do a lot with this animation style the animation quality is really top-notch considering like um what they're working with uh so i was i've been super pleased with that i haven't finished it or anything i'm not sure if i will because it does end up getting quite repetitive if you can tell by the nature of the game uh but it's just it's one of those games which is just pure focus and adrenaline and and it's a fucking stick figure game, which makes no bloody sense in the world, and yet it works brilliantly. And you and you've uh, got, you
1: were saying before to me that you get like loads of different types of weapons and there's, like nunchucks yeah. and I mm. don't know. I can't even... Oh,
0: dude, okay. There's a there's spe- special lightsaber round levels <laughs> oh, really? where you have a fucking lightsaber and enemies are just rushing at you at lightning speed and my god like the they have the lightsaber sounds in there they have just the incredible animations of the flashing strobing lights oh and you're actually cutting them up is it like that satisfying it Oh man, it's so good! Oh, I've got to show you. You've got to play. <laughs> you've got to play some of these levels because, like, they look brilliant. It's it's so much fun. Um, simple game, but like that's the thing. Simplicity can sometimes lead to incredible things. And uh, when it comes to a game design like this, it's just like wow, blown my mind. Blown my mind with so 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 little. Um, so yeah. Uh, I really recommend, if you have like, even a crappy PC you'll be able to run this, literally, if you can watch a flash animation on the internet you can play One Finger Death Punch um, it's about like, three dollars, or like two pounds or something on Steam, something stupidly cheap, so I 100% guarantee you'll have a fun time at least for like, an hour or two with this game, and it's totally worth it so, go ahead and check out One Finger Death Punch, it has my recommendation and Man, it got number three on Total Biscuits' Top Games of 2014. So that doesn't say anything else. I don't know what does. Uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant little package. So yeah, you should play it one day, Bally. Come I should. There, there are, are go, a number of Steam
1: go. games that you always say like I need to try out That we, I do need to play when I'm next at yours, including um, what's that fighting one where it's one what in, Insta Death?
0: Dive kick. Dive kick, exactly. Yeah, need to, I've kick. not even tried that yet. So yeah absolutely dive kick well Bally um, Shadow of Mordor has just finished installing on my PC so uh, what do you say we get out of this segment and I go play some Shadow of Mordor (laughs) (laughs) uh, sounds good yeah, you, you'll probably have uh, some of that discussion to look forward to in the future. Uh, but uh, until then, we're going to end off this segment, and I guess we will see you next time. No, we won't, because uh, we we're about to go into our next segment. What am yeah, I Yeah, we've still
1: got to record uh, everyone's emails, remember? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah,
0: I know, totally. We totally haven't already done that. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, okay, uh, uh, we'll see you after the break where we will talk about your emails. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back you <laughs> And we are back everyone for the second segment of our show As per usual we are going to be answering A bunch of your emails that you have sent to us uh, So kindly to our email address Uh, But that email address Is something that some of you may not know So I'm going to hand it over to Bally Who will tell you where you can send the emails If you have them to send to us
1: Send all your wonderful emails To nyppquestions At
0: gmail.com Indeed it is the address That you want to be typing to So Go ahead and do it Okay, let's kick it off. Uh, Who's the first emailer this week?
1: It's Justin. My question for you guys today is, given that the new 3DS being released in Australia shares a region code with Europe, are either of you considering to import a new system or will you wait to the release sometime in 2015? I know there aren't any games yet to take advantage of the system unless you can't smash 3DS, but is it worth it for you to be an early adopter now? I live in the US. If the situation were reversed, I would seriously consider it. Namely because, on one hand, I'm a relatively huge Nintendo consumer this generation, and secondly, to upgrade to the nice-looking metallic black system from my Red Launch 3DS XL. Thanks again. Always enjoy enjoy listening. Justin.
0: Well thank you Justin for your email. Uh, I feel like this may have been more appropriate at the time at which he wrote this, uh, which was back in November. Unfortunately uh, we've had many shows in a row where we've been doing, um, not E3, but uh, Game of the Year stuff and and all that good things, so uh, we haven't been able to address some emails, but... um, I think this is a good opportunity to bring up the idea of the Ambassador New 3DS, which is a thing that's happened recently, um, where in the UK, is it the whole of Europe? I think it might be the whole of Europe. Um, um, they normally do
1: things whole of Europe, so I wouldn't see why it would be the UK only. I don't know.
0: Right, well, uh, essentially, Nintendo have sent out emails to specific people uh, through Club Nintendo uh, and have said, hey, we uh, can offer you this new 3DS if you want it early. You can buy it from us, it'll be full price, but you'll get this fancy ambassador faceplate with it, and it'll have some cool things, and it'll be this exclusive thing that you can buy. And the naming convention is maybe quite confusing to some people because if you know what ambassador means in the context of Nintendo, you may think, oh, I'm a Nintendo ambassador from the 3DS. Does this mean I can buy one? No. This means that if you are someone who has got this specific email from Club Nintendo, then yes you can buy one. So, what this leads into is the fact that potentially the new 3DS is coming out very, very soon in Europe and in America in general. So, the idea of potentially importing right now doesn't seem as likely for either Bali or myself. It, it would be more likely for Bali because he's the one who's looking to upgrade to the XL. Um, would you have considered importing if you know you hadn't had other stuff around and you didn't know it was coming this early, Bally?
1: Um,
0: to be honest, I
1: don't know enough about it. It would have taken... If more media outlets had been like, "Oh, everyone in the UK is so cheap and easy to do," then I'd be like, "Oh right, if it's cheap and easy to do, I'll do it." But from everything I've read, it's a bit of a
0: faff, really. Yeah, certainly, (laughs) and especially you have to consider tax considerations when importing to the UK, which you always get hit by. And I did get hit by that when I imported uh, my Japanese capture card for 3DS uh, from Japan. So and like, yeah,
1: it's me upgrading to the new 3ds is quite categorically in my view a luxury like i don't feel like i need this system in the same way eh, all these video games are a luxury that's a bad term to use but i feel like i can play all my 3ds games quite happily on my 3ds like me upgrading to the new xl is like just a it's just <clears throat> a way in which i want to be able to experience games I've not tried on the 3DS yet in a more enjoyable way because the bigger screen is awesome and I do think your XL MBZ is pretty cool so I'm keen to get one. It's not something that you know I've already said it. Yeah Uh,
0: well I I mean the thing the things with the new 3DS are really cool things that they're doing um, but Yeah, I I wasn't one who was in the market for upgrading, specifically because the 3DS I currently have holds way more value to me than most other ones, because it is a capture device. And if I wanted to move on to a new 3DS, I would have to move all the stuff off of my capture device onto that, and that would mean not being able to record stuff that I wanted to, uh, and you know having the digital games in different places, it would be a little bit awkward, so i'm certainly holding out on new 3ds um but it does look like it's coming soon bali what do you think it's going to be before the end of january in in europe or or how do you think they're going to roll this out is it they're going to be a nintendo direct sometime soon i
1: think it'll be a, a direct at the end of january middle of february around then and then i think it'll come out in europe probably march i don't i don't think that so. seems a bit late to I me i don't think
0: they'll make january I, I think certainly February is a safe okay, bet. Um, I so, think March okay. is maybe pushing out the boat a little bit, but um, I think January is a bit too close to Christmas, certainly. February maybe is when people are starting to think about buying stuff again, um, so that could be uh, what they will do, but uh, I guess we'll see. It's, I don't know. It's it's certainly something that I'm interested in. I know it's going to be a great upgrade for you because you have the classic 3DS. You have the original. Oh, yeah. Um, I... Like, that's the great thing about Nintendo
1: is that if you're willing to... Put up with the first iteration. I mean, James Jones with his original 3ds Fat, not 3ds Fat, sorry, DS, the, fat, DS yeah. fat. He stuck with that thing for a very long time. It does. I mean, going it... from
0: that to the XL is just like mind blowing. It <laughs> must have been, yeah, crazy. yeah. So I'm not
1: saying this hop I'm gonna make is gonna be mind blowing, but it'll be it'll be great. So yeah, I'm. Well, it,
0: potentially it could be with the improved 3D stuff and being able to view it at any angle. I've had many times when I've been like lying in bed playing Phoenix Wright and wanting to have 3D on but it just doesn't accommodate it very well because of the, how the 3D works on the uh, original system, I think that could be a potentially great thing because I know that you are someone who loves to play games in 3D. So. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely and I think games that I do like on the 3DS like Pilot Wings or perhaps Star Fox uh, 64 they, that rely in many ways a lot more on the prevention of ghosting and yeah. the position of your head. Like that might be it might be quite a good time to try and hundred percent um pilot wings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> I'm only two missions away, but yeah. So yeah. Might, and you're might also try crazy. That. So yeah, it's a bit yeah. crazy. But.
0: Indeed. Um, I guess yeah so so I don't don't know what's going to happen with the thing that's interesting about this from our perspective is that there's no announcement for America yet and you know traditionally how hardware works is the US usually get it before everyone else but this seems like backwards in the most strange way where Australia had it first and now us and you know potentially America last so I don't know what they'll do but um, I think it'll definitely be closer than further away for those guys uh, but we'll have to wait and see so hold out hope so Uh, we've got probably soon
1: We've got more 3DS-related questions from Ruth. Hi, guys. I have a 3DS from when it was first released. I'm considering changing to a different model and wanted to know your thoughts. The 2DS. I hardly ever use the 3D, so this could be good for me. However, I'm a bit put off by the fact that it doesn't fold. The 3DS XL. Love the look of this. It folds and has a bigger screen. Bit pricey, though, especially considering I already have a 3DS, which I would sell, obviously. Hold out for the three, for the new 3DS. Is this worth doing? Um, holding out is a possibility... Um, sorry, hold out for the possibility... Oh, this is another option, sorry. Hold out for the possibility of a 2DS XL release. What do you think is this likely to
0: happen? Hmm... Well, a lot of choice you have, certainly. Nintendo may have made the market a fucking clusterfuck of confusion in terms of naming conventions, but at least they give you some choice uh, in, in what 3DSs you want to buy. Um let's let's address the last question first do you think there's a possibility that they will upgrade the 2ds uh, to make it a larger version at some point because that seems like the thing that she wants the most is to have something that doesn't necessarily have the 3d but is a bigger size um going <laughs> i'm there. just
1: i'm just visualizing a 2ds xl if they keep yeah. it in the current um shape at least because that thing would be like the size of an ipad <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, probably would be yeah it'd be huge um I, For some reason, I, I don't
0: really see them doing that. I think they've already diversified it enough. Mm. I think I, especially when you consider the 2DS doesn't seem to be selling that well. Especially when they put out sales numbers, they're never differentiating the 2DS yeah. on its own. They always cluster it into the 3DS family. Um, so, potentially, yeah, that's not an option that will happen. Um, Ruth, if I was you, I would well if you were me
1: and we're kind of in the same position i'm holding out for the new 3ds because yes it'll be more expensive but hey you get to have the shiniest new nintendo console which is a pretty cool cool feeling
0: and it means that you're not locked out of potential new releases like xenoblade for example is coming to new 3ds if you dived in now and bought a, a you know a previous one you wouldn't be able to play that game potentially if you wanted to so that is rather unfortunate.
1: Uh, part of me does feel like the there's something still to come with the new 3DS Like we're, we're going to get to predictions later in the show but I th- I think that whether that's new games or some sort of added app they put on it I think there's something more to come that's going to be downloadable or something like that so it'd be quite nice to be on that bandwagon
0: alright uh, so I guess we'll move on to the next question
1: The next question is from Dylan. Hi, MBZ and Bally. It's Dylan. Heard you needed questions. Don't worry, I have a few. Firstly, how do you guys feel about 3DS homebrew? This comes to... Oh, sorry. I'm feeling very gassy just now. (laughs) (laughs) Firstly, how do you guys feel about 3DS homebrew? This comes to mind as an exploit that abuses a vulnerability in a game's code recently opened up on the 22nd of November. Personally, I want to see how it develops. I was quite interested in PSP Homebrew when that was very active, and I'd like to see if it could develop into something like that. Second, the game in question that allows the exploit is Cubic Ninja. The game is out of print and poorly reviewed before the exploit came out. A a used copy at GameStop was only $5. Now the game is sold out everywhere and going for absurd prices online. GameStop has even spiked the price to $40 for a used copy, $20 more than a brand new copy. How do you guys feel about stores suddenly marking up prices for games because of demand or value? For example, people have claimed GameStop sold Xenoblade copies as used for $90 even though they were brand new. Seems a bit dodgy to me. Thanks for your time and sorry this was so long. Really enjoy the podcast and always waiting for more.
0: Alright, getting into murky waters here uh, with Dylan. Um, So, Homebrew is something that a lot of people like to mess around with. And, you know, some people will use it for piracy reasons to download games and stuff. um, And, you know, some people will use it for the simple task of being able to, I guess, unregion lock their systems. Um, Bally, where do you come down on Homebrew and and how? it all operates I, I guess the funny thing is is that you're probably not technical enough to do any of it but <laughs> even if, exactly. if you if you could if you could do it what would what would be your intentions behind it if you were to
1: um i don't know i would feel a bit guilty about the idea of playing games without nintendo making any money sure um i that's like the digital era gives us the ability like, that is the dark side of the digital era, is the ability to hack and to break into stuff that isn't meant to be broken into. And it's just one of those things that, we're like, as a society, we're still not getting on top of, necessarily. So, Oh,
0: jeez, talk about 2014 yeah. hacking scandals, <laughs> I tell you. Exactly,
1: and... At the same time, the digital era does mean that many games are much cheaper, like all the indie games and all the little sales that Nintendo have done digitally on the eShop, which are really great. So that's a big benefit. So I think, for me personally, I like to keep away from it and just
0: be a good boy and download my games. Um, so, and... but even if you had like the opportunity to say get thing from other regions, you know, um, you you know unlock the system so it wasn't region locked would you take advantage of that if you could um and in the same way that we said in the earlier question i just
1: if it's convenient like i used to buy ds games when i was in the states if it's convenient then absolutely why not and like you're still nintendo is still making money like there's sure, yeah. there's no i don't see any ethical reason morally to not not go with that but obviously As it stands, we can't really buy uh, games from abroad at the moment. So, yeah. In terms of Nintendo systems, obviously. But, yeah
0: so i mean for me i have dabbled with doing this stuff in the past not necessarily on on the wii with the homebrew channel um but with ds i had a flash card and i mean the the real express purpose behind that was for doing pokemon stuff and you know hacking pokemon in because that's how the competitive scene works and that's how everyone does it and it's a time saver really and it makes everything much easier but i did download a lot of kind of old DS games that I'd missed, and um, stuff that was perhaps out of print and really hard to get, and and I was still able to enjoy those, despite the fact that they weren't really readily available to me, and I know, you know, potentially, that's a bad thing, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, going out there and downloading games illegally, but when I I am, you know, able to make a living and, you know, earn money efficiently, I'm certainly never going to do that, but, you know, the time being a student and, you know, not really having the resources to go out there and get all these games, I think potentially a lot of students find themselves in that position where they're like you know I you know I could go and pay for this thing but I don't really have the funds to use, so I'm going to use piracy and piracy is an option um but it's also one that you know you can leave behind eventually when you don't need to rely on it anymore so it's there but um you know it's it's all it's all about your situation in life I feel what about um, what about
1: retailers pumping up the price of games
0: yeah this is one that i really um it's one of those things that makes me wish that the, the retail giants would go under and just disappear from the high street uh because they just really take advantage a lot of the time when it comes to these things they know what things are going to be hot items it's, the same thing fucking happened in the uk with amiibo amiibo retail for i think like 10 or 11 pounds on amazon and that's their standard retail price game in the UK jacked up the amiibo prices to 15 just standard across the board because they know it's a hot item they know it's going to sell and they know that they're going to profit from it so that they do that and you know because there's no other competition in the market they get away with it and all these mainstream consumers who don't know better who don't know that it's a good idea to go on to a digital platform and buy something or even to go on an online retailer uh, are getting screwed and they don't even know it and um i think it's just dirty i think it's dirty tactics but it makes sense because they are struggling to stay in business right you think about the lifespan of something like gamestop in the next five years are they even going to exist anymore probably not so while they're still here they're trying to do what they can and you know it it sucks but yeah it,
1: it feels like a problem that is on the cusp of just vanishing because i mean we've talked about this before with the wii u but we're half buying digital games, half buying uh, disc games, certainly in my case with my hard drive, and, like, it's just a matter of time. It's just, well, the next Nintendo console, I would just put my money on being download only because, like, why not? It's just easier and cheaper, and it's going to get rid of those shops and get rid of them pumping up their prices, and that's just the future,
0: I guess. Yeah, it is, it is. Um but I still think it will be a little while before we get there. Um, It's happening slowly and slowly. I mean, things, I mean, you talk talk about uh, like DVDs and and music and, you know, basically the revenue streams that somewhere like HMV relies on. They've been in dire straits for a long time and, you know, they've shut down a lot of places in the UK uh, and I I guess somehow are still running um, on very little, but they are very quickly going to disappear from the high street. There's no doubt about that.
1: HMP are also in Canada. Random point. So, oh cana- really, Canadian listeners? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, know what we're talking
0: about? <laughs> exactly. Uh, not, not just localizing it to the UK. Uh, going bro- abroad. So, um, yes. Thank you for that email. It's uh, interesting stuff. Certainly.
1: So, our final email this week is from Rhiannon. Dear Bally and MBZ, thanks for making my favourite podcast. I've listened to you for a while, and now I'm finally getting around to sending you some questions. Uh, now that the run up to Christmas is in full swing here in the u k you can tell that this is yeah, uh, time capsule l- somewhat l- little bit behind um i 've been seeing advertis- advertisements what are you the- american <laughs> uh, commercials commercials uh, for the p s four and xbox one absolutely everywhere, but almost nothing for the wii u or three d s for that matter. I'm not sure whether this is something that's specific to the UK or whether Nintendo just generally aren't advertising much outside of Japan. My first question is to ask you what your feelings are on this. Have you any ideas as to why Nintendo are barely advertising and does this frustrate you? I know it annoys me as it feels like they're not even trying to reach anyone who isn't already a Nintendo fan despite their sales not being brilliant. I also wanted to ask you whether you think this will be the last console generation or maybe second last for Microsoft, Sony or Nintendo. I'm pretty sure that it won't be for Nintendo, but I could see Microsoft in particular going in a different direction in the near future. Thanks again for the podcast, Rhiannon. P.S. I'm from South Wales, but have recently moved to Yorkshire. I know you guys love to
0: know where your listeners are from. Well, thanks, Rhiannon. That's great. Bally does certainly know. love that I do, yeah. I do love
1: knowing where all our, <laughs> our listeners are from
0: it's because one day he's going to find you and he <laughs> will kill you <laughs> uh, sure. yes alright so uh, <coughs> good question here certainly very topical and relevant um ad you know advertising in general for Nintendo has been a topic of great discussion for many years um and i I really feel like it's kind of one of those strange things where during the Wii era when they were a flying high and on top they were advertising out the wazoo they knew how to market that product and got it damn right and just you wouldn't go anywhere without seeing you know great ridiculous um ways of, of them you know showing how this product is going to be sold and um and it seems like the worse their console does the more regressive they are with their marketing and advertising campaigns because you know you think about the gamecube era do you remember a single advertisement from that time bali i, I do remember those strange mm, like no. esoteric ones about people in these glass cubes doing weird dancing and strange things oh um, I,
1: I don't remember those at all really yeah no. there was like
0: a couple of those at the, at the start of gamecube but like you can't remember any from then and like now, it's so rare to see any kind of Nintendo advertisement on UK TV. Um, do you think this is Nintendo's fault? Or is it something to do with uh, you know try, trying to get advertising space uh, at the moment and the I marketing think, budget? I think it is their fault.
1: But if we were in their positions and had all the statistics on the economic side of things, I think it's just a reality of where the UK particularly and Europe stands as it's just not a worthwhile place to invest in that kind of advertising when you have much larger markets in especially North America which is so much bigger than even Japan that
0: like yeah and I think North America are more responsive to Nintendo in general we've yeah. talked before about how in the 90s Nintendo weren't actually the top dog in the UK Sega actually had most of the market share when it came to the console wars and that kind of stuff so a lot of people grew up on things Things like Sonic and on the Genesis and all these old Sega consoles, as opposed to Nintendo, and you know moved on to Sony from there. And at this point, really, Sony are the ones who have the foothold in Europe, and they're the ones doing the best. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, Nintendo definitely left left in the dust uh, on our shores. There's few people uh, who are very passionate uh, about Nintendo and will you know go out there and, and buy their products. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's
1: it's a, it's a shame, but I mean, it, it's just it'll be a, the economic argument like i think if they end up becoming much more successful and have the extra cash and think you know what let's really try hard to expand in europe because there's definitely room to expand and let's make that our target and they're, they're just not in a i guess economically strong position to go about expanding more into europe when they could just focus on the north american and japanese markets
0: yeah and I, th- I think it also has quite a lot to do with how they market the product and what they use for advertising material because with the Wii, we know it was such an obvious thing it was it was such an um a smart line that they took how do you market Wii U? and that's the ultimate problem that they have faced for the entire like past two years and are still facing how do they sell the system where do they position it what do they you know view it as and um it's it's an ongoing problem uh which I don't know if can be fixed uh, honestly hmm. so and the second part
1: of Rhiannon's question is this the end of the console generation
0: um i think that potentially it makes much more sense for sony and microsoft to leave the console race but remain in it from you know i guess a unified platform perspective nintendo are so far out on their own and doing their own thing to such a degree that i think they will go on for at least another two or three or four maybe before they even consider like homogenizing and becoming part of uh you know a unified platform the reason i say that is What Sony are doing right now with PlayStation Now and that that initiative of being able to stream stuff instead of having it on the hardware or any backwards compatibility, is that eventually I feel like that company is going to turn the PlayStation brand into a platform rather than a single piece of hardware. So say, for example, you buy, you know, it's basically how DVD players work, right? There's no DVD player which doesn't play DVDs, even though they're from completely different manufacturers and completely different companies they all play a dvd in a similar way there may be a unified thing that happens between consoles and pcs where uh, you know maybe televisions have it all built in where you have a controller and you have a subscription service to sony's whatever you know the playstation brand and you can just play it on multiple platforms from multiple places and really you know the direction that both companies are going for, for sony and microsoft that makes the most sense to me nintendo are very much off that uh they they're doing their own thing and they will continue to rely on unique and strange hardware um i don't know how long it will last but that's that's what i i feel uh, at the moment
1: I, yeah i feel that so much of this argument is dependent on pc gaming and whether i mean pc is still very distinct from television so yeah. this idea of gaming on a television versus a pc how are they going to either merge or differentiate even more? Or, like, you were just talking about uh, Sony's PlayStation Now. it's That's still sticking very much so with the TV, even though you're obviously getting that content in a different way. Sure. So, I just think, is it, like... Steam box is the big question. If is that ever going to happen? How much will it be? How will it affect Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo? Well, maybe less so Nintendo, but like I'm still I'm still wanting a Steam box. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's an interesting point as well. Um, I I do agree with you. Nintendo will definitely stick around because they they do what they do and they're not going to stop. So yeah.
0: yeah, I think really what it comes down to is this way in which the two new hd consoles are very you know more than ever they are pcs they are basically pcs that are built for a console purpose and i think that we're just going to see that shift more and more as um you know indie developers developers come to gain more acclaim to become much more prevalent uh it's much easier for those guys to work on pc based infrastructure and architecture um it just looks like that's the way everything is going, and we may hit this event horizon where you know it all becomes homogenized and the same. Um, but we'll have to wait and see because clearly, for the time being, that's not going to be the case. There's still a lot of you know arguments and wars going on, and I don't know. The thing with Microsoft is very interesting as well because their CEO has come out and straight up said I I don't want this division I want to jettison it, he's not a fan of the Xbox division, so we could see a future where you know, Xbox starts getting owned by a different company and would that change things Um, there's a lot of different interesting you know, stuff going on uh, industry wise that uh, could affect it in the long run, but um, I guess we'll have to wait and see, it's certainly very far flung future stuff uh, going on here, but it's always uh, good to talk about and nice to speculate on, so there you go Excellent. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, that's it for our email segment, I believe. So uh, we are going to move into the third segment. Before we do that, Bally, remind everyone uh, where they can write in to our podcast.
1: Write in at. Uh, at No, it's not a Twitter. It's not a Twitter handle. Come on, no, think, no. <laughs> think. To nyppquestionsgmail.com.
0: Send us your emails. We always need more. Absolutely uh so there's lots to look forward to in 2015 um let us perhaps know what some of your predictions for the future are because our next segment deals with that so uh let's move on to that we'll see you guys after this short break with our 2015 prediction segment Alright everyone, welcome back to the final part of the show for our first show of 2015. And uh, we are going to be getting into some predictions for the year ahead. I know, it's going to be a big one, isn't it, Bally? It's going to be lots of stuff happening, for sure.
1: It's a pretty big year, there's a lot of games to get hyped about.
0: Absolutely, we're really excited uh, and uh, we have some predictions. But, before we tell you our predictions, if you've been listening to the show for a whole year and uh, a wee bit you will probably remember that last year we made predictions and maybe got some right <laughs> maybe got some wrong oh dear it's time to look back Bally it's time to reflect on what we said a year ago and how terrible we are at predicting video game things so um so let's let's take a look at these uh, I'll how about I read yours to you and then we'll, we'll score you as we go and then you can read mine to me and we can we can do that sound good Okay. Alright, so, Bali, your first prediction was that there would be GameCube and Virtual, uh, sorry, GameCube and Game Boy Advance games coming to Virtual Console in 2014. Uh, so, I'm going to give you a half point for this, because uh, GBA Virtual Console did arrive on Wii U, uh, finally. Um, even though it makes no sense, because we'd much rather have it on 3DS, but hey, we get it there anyway. Uh, no sign of GameCube, no sign of N64, no sign of any Virtual Console Really shocking. Of- yeah, and outside of these like very classic two D, like it seems like the the Wii U emulation can't go past Super Nintendo graphically, uh, which is strange. I do um, think
1: the GBA is not a massive jump graphically, but it is a jump from Super Nintendo. But yeah, maybe fact the fact, know, the fact yeah. that there's no N sixty four games when they did it on the Wii, for goodness sake, it's it's crazy. I really don't understand what's what's going
0: on, and it really doesn't look like they're going to come now, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Uh, so, uh, we'll see. There's You could still hold out hope, but uh, hey, you got a half point there, so that's alright. Kicked it off alright, not too bad. Um, your next prediction was that F-Zero slash Advance Wars would come in 2014. Now, I'm potentially willing to give you, like, a fifth of a point here for the inclusion of F-Zero stuff in Mario Kart 8, but I don't think that really counts, so I don't think Um, it's really worth it. I agree. Yeah. I think, if anything,
1: we've gone backwards after that recent Miyamoto interview. Absolutely, um, Where he claimed that there's nothing else you can do
0: with F-Zero, which is... Yeah. The, the dude is talking out of his fucking ass. And look, <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love Miyamoto. He's the godfather of Nintendo and just video ge- the modern era of console video games. But for fuck's sake, man, just say it out loud. It's not going to make you any yeah, money. Yeah, they just don't think it'll make any money. And, yeah. and you know all this what? bullshit I about agree. him saying, oh, we don't have the right controller. The controller's... For fuck's sake, Like look, the Wii U Pro controller is just as good as the GameCube one was. And that didn't stop you doing GX, did it? So, Jesus Christ. It's it's silly. I really think it is. (laughs) First game announced for
1: 2016. 2D Mario on the Wii U. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: Oh, jeez. Okay, uh, and your final one is kind of out there, I guess. Uh, You said... Okay, let me get this right. Nintendo will release a version of the Wii U, brackets, fancy paint job, uh, with an extra-large hard drive, and will have a reward system that lets people download virtual console games with a discount. Um... No, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. No. <laughs> pretty sure that didn't happen at all. Although,
1: I think, that this doesn't count for a point at all, I'm just saying that I think 2014 was really impressive in terms of eShop sales. Certainly, and yeah. And certainly people that like myself who have a large hard drive, because we were forced to buy one because the system itself <laughs> isn't big enough. Yeah. Um, although I did buy the, the small hard drive in any case. Um, but I think for someone like myself with that hard drive, it's just... Mm-hmm there's a lot of really great games for really cheap cheap prices um, I'm not saying they're anything like as cheap as Steam but compared to what I thought they would be on the Wii when it came out I think you're getting some really great bargains
0: yeah, even on first party Nintendo stuff, which they yeah. never do. Uh and you know, if you go into retail, you're you're never going to find Nintendo games discounted anywhere unless they're 5 years old and have been around forever, but um certainly it's uh it's been a great year for that stuff and you have you've reaped the benefits with your hard drive, oh, Bally, yeah, I'll definitely. tell you. Absolutely. So. There you go. I guess uh you One get a half point half point, yeah. A half point Let's out of 3. So, there you go. All right, Bally, what what, what did I say? You said Phoenix Wright would
1: be a playable character in Super Smash Brothers,
0: and that was correct, right? That was yeah. that was. Uh,
1: well, I actually, when you made the prediction, I thought it was quite a safe bet in many yeah, ways. I think between Brawl and Smash Four, that Phoenix Wright had like the character had done enough to
0: perhaps warrant being in the game, but. He's yeah. third party, and when That's it comes to true, yeah. when it comes to Capcom characters, obviously Mega Man is going to take the cake compared to Phoenix, right? Um, yeah. So that made sense. Uh, it, would, it would be nice if they had multiple ones, but you know, can't can't win them all, you... unfortunately.
1: So unfortunately, no points there. Yep. Prediction number two: You thought there would be a 2D Metroid in 2014
0: same prediction every year Bali I'll keep making it this year keep making it it's gonna like
1: it the longer this goes on like they have to make it right like
0: yeah they got to it was sorry just before the uh, the steam I keep calling it steam world dig codename steam reveal uh, at E3 at that round table yeah the gaff thread. Everyone was talking. I was like, "Oh, it's two D Metroid, isn't it? God, it's got to be two D Metroid." Actually, we thought it was Majora's Mask three D, which was did, potentially yeah. going to be announced, but that didn't turn out to be the case until that was announced later on. Um, but I was like, "Oh, maybe it is a two D Metroid. Oh, maybe Nintendo are going to do something here." And no, it wasn't. It was, it was this new thing, but. Um, Certainly, I'm going to keep banging this gong. 2D Metroid I will th- come. No,
1: I, it has
0: to because like Mario, they
1: Mario's had his own new 3D thing on 3DS with 3D Land, which was great. Links Between Worlds came out for Zelda, and that's like a nice, unique 3DS take on the Zelda franchise. So why, like Metroid? will happen on 3ds surely because they can do some nice interesting things with the 3d and make it look really crisp and solid and i think it
0: will might even do quite well yeah i'm i'm hoping but we'll get we'll get into that in a, in a second what's my last prediction?
1: and then your final prediction was there's going to be a new ip at e3 from nintendo i'm presuming you meant and uh, of course that definitely was, yeah. yeah. So that is a solid point. Um, Absolutely. I'd even gamble that I don't think there will be any new IPs this E3. Mm, maybe, maybe. I mean they
0: they they did announce two this uh, the last year. So was um, the what was, so the, other, was, what was the other cool. one? Codename Steam. Yes, that, yes, yeah. it was. So. Um, but yeah, no. Splatoon was it was the best surprise I think that we could have asked for uh, coming from Nintendo. The
1: whole video game industry feels so excited and refreshed for that game. Like they're just certainly, I agree that it's just so refreshing that they're making this new thing and they're going to an area that they've not really done before, which is this broadly speaking like a third-person multiplayer shooter. And it's it's the thing design. that I love
0: the most about it is it has such a nintendo stamp on it it is we are going to this genre that everyone has done and we're going to do something different we're going to do our take on it and that's the thing that makes me the most excited because when nintendo do that they often create very memorable franchises that will live on for a long time so i hope they pull it off i really do and it's a very young development team they they seem to be uh you know the fresh new blood at nintendo and i hope that they do a good job here so that we will have uh you know people to look forward to making great games in the future as well exactly. so. so yeah all right so i guess i win there by a shallow half point that uh that is the case i'm just now a bit saddened to say Yep. uh but uh, of course we're going to now move on to the predictions for this year uh so we have three lined up it's the same format as before and we're going to go uh one for each of us and uh, until we're done. So, Bali, do you want to kick things off? What's your first prediction for things to happen with Nintendo in 2015?
1: So, I think they're going to keep unifying this account system. Um, we've yes. seen Miiverse in 2014 became unified, which was great. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to do this by using the new 3DS. And the way in which they're going to do it using the new 3DS is that the eShop will become linked on the new 3DS.
0: So you mean in terms of like cross-buy purchases for virtual Uh, console and and that kind of stuff? I mean, already the eShop is linked in terms of a unified wallet, right? So you can have uh, currency on one end and have it work on the other. So that's kind of a step towards that. Uh, Do you think that they will go the full mile this year?
1: Yeah, because it feels weird. I mean, I guess the only crossover... No, well, there isn't really any crossover at the moment in terms of content you can download between the two. Well, I guess something like Shovel Knight is crossover.
0: But, right, and I mean, Shovel Knight, the, the developers have offered like a discount if you bought it on one platform, you can get it on the other. But, you know, yeah. to be frank, if, if this was PlayStation 4 and Vita, you'd buy it on one and have it on the other yeah. instantly.
1: And I think it would strictly be for virtual console because obviously Nintendo can control all of that a lot more easily. And... Yeah, why can't you play a game, I don't know, like Link to the Past on a 3DS? Like, it's crazy. So, I, m- I mean, they've already mentioned stuff about unifying something for the next Nintendo system. And there's huge debates, I guess, about what that could lead to. But I think this is a nice thing to do at the end of the 3 dss lifespan, where it's not going to divide the two mar- the market too much, I don't think, because I think... It'll just be a nice extra feature for the new 3DS. You're not really missing out on any game content, because if you own a Wii U, I guess you can get those games anyway. Um, But yeah, just GBA games, Super Nintendo games, will be available on the new 3DS, and it's a cross-purchase system.
0: I think that is something that's potentially possible especially when you think you know the original 3DS they claimed couldn't handle the emulation of GBA games for whatever reason either they engineered it in the wrong way or whatever but going forward they they knew of those problems coming into the new 3DS so hopefully what they'll have done is they'll have made it possible for it to run GBA games with the emulation and to be able to have save states and everything across the board and that does make some sense that they would use that platform to leverage uh the the cross compatibility uh, I mean
1: if they can port Xenoblade to the new 3DS uh, yeah absolutely yeah. if they can't play a Game Boy Advance game yeah. I've, I've lost a lot of faith if that's the yeah, case that's yeah that's true but anyway alright so that's, that was a good one what we'll, we'll is your it. first prediction MBZ
0: Um, okay so my first prediction is uh, about Zelda the new Zelda game coming out Um, Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people in 2014 who said about Smash Brothers nah that's not that's not happening that's not coming out in 2014 you're gonna be crazy
1: they're the ones buying the steak now they're the
0: ones (laughs) buying the steak dinners I'll tell you Um, and uh, Smash did hit Smash hit like a perfect time it was the friday before black friday as nintendo often do with these releases the 21st of november uh last year it will be the 20th november this year and my prediction is that it will hit that friday again it's, it's nintendo's big holiday time it's uh when they always put out their big games and in the past skyward sword and 3d land came out on that same day uh same thing with link between worlds and mario 3d world uh, and i absolutely think that zelda on wii u is going to hit on that black friday uh no, not black friday the the friday before that you know what i mean november um, yeah yeah it, the the early november period before thanksgiving happens in north america um do you think this is viable bali yes
1: like i think the fact that they appeared on the vgas and said hey look we've got zelda it's like oh and when's that coming it is coming in 2015 like
0: they're, they're I, very forthright about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think they were this forthright
1: with Skyward Sword or even Twilight Princess before that. Like, maybe I'm just making that up, but it's like the VGA's was really great vibes for this game to come out in the period that you just mentioned November 2015 because right. why would they embarrass themselves so publicly like that
0: yeah no it's just very true and even Miyamoto with his Star Fox claim as well it's like ah oh, we'll be out before you and they're kind of you know jibing at each other really I think that there is precedent for this to happen for it to come out first reason what the fuck else are they going to have in holiday 2015 to push as a big title you know they've got to have something huge right to try and get that install base up again and to you know get excitement about wii u and certainly for people who haven't bought a wii u yet i think zelda is the big big one that they are looking to eventually jump in with with the system um so that's a reason it has to be their big title they can't miss it secondly I think that they are going to do a very similar thing that they did with Smash Brothers, where they just get all hands on deck. You know, Monolith Soft are working on Xenoblade Chronicles X, and they actually had a part to play in Skyward Sword's development, so we know they have, um, you know, some experience working on a Zelda game, and if you look and contrast kind of the stuff that's happening in both of those games, they're very similar in terms of this giant, huge open world. Monolith have far more experience in developing that kind of stuff than the Zelda people do, so I'm certain that as soon as it works work on Xenoblade Chronicles X is done, they are going to shift all of their programmers and developers and everything over to the Zelda team and be all hands on deck to get the Zelda game out and finished for the end of the year. And I think that would really help because for whatever reason seem to have a, a really great grasp on um you know being able to develop hd games as they've shown how good Xenoblade looks and how massive it is so far um so that's that's kind of the my thinking along those lines i think uh, regardless sure. of
1: whatever else we talk about in this segment that nintendo getting zelda out in 2015 is surely their number one responsibility like surely their massive yeah it priority.
0: has to be that is the biggest priority this year no yeah. doubt about it absolutely when, for that reason, I think they're, they're in dire straits. They need it to happen. So, so yeah. that's I'm going to put my foot in the ground and say it. There you go. So, my second prediction is that I think Nintendo are going
1: to do more price points that are similar to Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. So, that's... In the American terms, I think that's forty dollars roughly. Right. right, it's it's
0: not the full sixty dollar yeah. box
1: package. And I mean, in British terms, that's about twenty five quid. I want to say Th- no, thirty five, isn't it?
0: Well, 30, I think re- I think online retailers usually go for around thirty. But the, the yeah. weird thing about the UK market is the way that pricing works is very different, especially when it comes to digital versus online. I think in the US, a lot of the time there isn't a lot of shift in terms of, you know, what is a $60 product. If it comes out in $60 day one, you're not going to be able to find it anywhere for cheaper than that. It's going to be the same on the eShop, which makes a lot more sense for people in the US to go digital because they are paying the same price if they're getting it day one. Yeah. Whereas, for example, like Bayonetta 2 was £40 on the eShop, but it, I got it for 30 one on Amazon like yeah. there is no reason for me to pay an extra 10 pounds when I can get it cheaper at retail and and, that,
1: and that's what's happened for most uh, AAA Nintendo games on the Wii U for us
0: yeah definitely Amazon is a considerable amount cheaper yeah uh, uh, even for smash brothers which would be 50 it's it, it yeah. was 40 40 is still quite high but it's you know they they knew it was going to sell so they were putting it up at that price um but certainly yeah it's it's probably going to be around that range for us uh, I would imagine so uh,
1: some podcast i was listening to maybe you can help me out is that said that kirby rainbow curse is already getting lined up to be this halfway point in terms of price that it's... yeah i
0: believe so it was on nintendo voice chat, nintendo that they voice mentioned chat. It. Yeah. yeah so
1: i think that's really positive because maybe kirby is not going to be a 20 hour game it might be i don't know 12 10 hours perhaps i don't know but i think that's a really nice that's about as much kirby as i want, really. I don't know if I'd necessarily want a 20-hour game. Likewise, I think there's potential that um, Yoshi's Woolly World could be a relatively short game in the same way. Um, I, I We were just discussing this, but I think all of the Nintendo games that Nintendo have released... Um, that are AAA so far, have had an awful lot of content in them from Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, 3D World, Pikmin 3 especially. I think all these AAA games have had an incredible amount of content and I I think that's great and that's great for when you're paying that price but I think there's also definitely a market for cheaper games. and like, I had a great time playing cheaper games this year like Shovel Knight and other great indie games um, so I think it's a great idea that Nintendo could just, you know, Split the two markets a bit.
0: Yeah, and it, I think for the consumer, it's a much better proposition when you're looking at something like Kirby or Yoshi on the shelves because, I mean, these days. The products that people are wanting, uh, they want them to have, you know, a bunch of stuff. They want this online multiplayer, and you know, they want all these production values and everything. And I don't think the two D platformer really screams that idea anymore. Uh, and I think a lot of people get hung up on the problem of being like, eh, "Is that really worth like a, a full price? Is it, is that really something I want to buy?" It's just this kind of very simple 2D platforming game Um, and Nintendo I think have had a problem with that because a lot of their games recently have been going back to that classic style Um, but certainly if they're going to be reducing the price it makes it uh, a much more worthwhile proposition for just your general average consumer who thinks along those lines Um, so so yeah should be good and like there's always the
1: potential, in my mind, that Mario Maker could even come into that price bracket. The, the, it all depends on how much content that game has, but I mean, if it's almost entirely content that is driven by users, then
0: I could imagine it being perhaps a bit cheaper. Yeah, potentially. Um, we'll see that that one is a very curious one for me because i think that yeah. Mar- the idea of creating your own mario levels has quite a bit of cachet and i think that they could potentially push it to a full retail price they just have to be kind of careful with it i think um and, and you know gauging the market and how they respond to it and everything but um yeah certainly one to look out for no doubt uh no doubt. so what's your next prediction uh, so, number two for me is, you've already heard it, it's going to be 2D Metroid. Uh, Boom. And I, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's crazy out of nowhere. I know. It's happening. It's happening. happening. Um, but I want to get a little bit more specific. I don't want to just say 2D Metroid and move on. I am going to say that we will get the reveal of a 2D Metroid at a Nintendo Direct. So, not necessarily at E3. On 3DS. I think, yeah, on 3DS. I, I don't think it's going to be a Wii U game. I think it certainly fits 3DS much better. And to be honest, going into 2015 nintendo need more 3ds games than wii u if we're looking at the balance of how things are shaking up so it's going to be uh, a 3ds game and i think it will be announced in nintendo direct out in maybe september ish um and have quite a quick turnaround uh, because i feel like they need something for that period of time and the 3ds will kind of be wandering the wastelands otherwise they won't have much big stuff to look forward to uh so i am going to put my uh my foot down there and say that 2D Metroid happening then Uh, do you agree there would be a Nintendo Direct Bally or do you think this is an E3 E3 thing more likely
1: Um, I think both I think a Nintendo Direct either end of January start of February just sort of lining giving some more info on big games coming out soonish like Yoshi Kirby Mario Maker the games we've discussed already and then announcing hey do you know what 3DS hasn't got much this year boom 2D Metroid like hype Um, and then I guess E3 it's quite tricky to see to judge what the focus will be for Nintendo E3 I think mainly it's probably going to be here's all these great features for Zelda coming at the end of this year hype 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 Yeah. but I think there's going to be something huge announced for 2016 probably 3D Mario we don't know Um, and I think in terms of 3DS having 2D Metroid to talk about more at E3 would also work really well.
0: Yeah, I think the the thing with E3, the, the reason why I'm saying it'll be announced in a Nintendo Direct and not there is that, for me, E3 at least is much more of a console driven show. When you talk about you know the stuff that's on display there it's mainly the home consoles that are prominent and it's because it's all about the spectacle and all about you know the visuals and everything for the wider world uh, not just the people who are focusing on the games industry uh which is why i think stuff like 3ds games gets a little bit lost in the noise and which is probably why a lot of people yeah. would have forgotten about things like Codename <laughs> steam by this point and are perhaps uh you know out of their mind and sight but um and yeah
1: and i think that makes sense. a game like link link's links between worlds uh link between worlds worked so well in that direct
0: it was so unexpected um it was also kind of needed though and i think to be honest that was like an e3 announcement that they had to bring forward because they had Uh, nothing for the future uh they were in real dire straits at that point they're still a pretty bad place right now but um i think they can afford to maybe uh go a bit better there so we'll see um, okay. So uh what's your final prediction, Bally? Is this gonna be your completely out of the realm of crazy one or, or what are we going I don't here? think it's particularly
1: crazy, but I don't I don't think it's predictable. And that okay. is that I think first of all, I think Mario Maker is going to blow people away. And that is because I think Nintendo are gonna make a really big effort to get lots of different games developers involved with creating their own Mario levels and really and really just getting involved with uh, third parties to say, like, hey, you! everyone now has the chance to create Mario levels. What can you do? And then, Right, if they
0: can't get third-party games, might as well get third-party <laughs> exactly. people to make Nintendo games. Obviously,
1: <laughs> Nintendo will create the framework in which to do that, and it's going to stick quite rigidly to the Mario format. And that's fine, but all these other developers can create their own crazy things. And I think that... For people like me, I, I don't feel like I've got the creative spark to create a really great Mario level. Um, so I'd be far more, far more a player of that game than a creator. And I don't know if you'd agree, but I think there'll be lots of gamers out there in that position just thinking, I'm not particularly up for making Mario levels, but I'm really enjoying playing these levels that others have created. So... I just really hope Nintendo can push that and get make sure they get the online right so that the sharing and the way that they potentially have almost like leagues of Mario levels or the way they sort them is done correctly because everyone knows what they want from this game. They want really great features to share and play other people's Mario levels and Nintendo just have to make sure they appreciate that's what people want and that's what this game has to be. And anything short of that, and I think I think the games press will come down hard on them for saying you had the chance to make an amazing game and you fluffed it.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's there's certainly a huge amount of risk there um, because they are potentially promising the world and yeah. then you know could fall flat on their face. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you know it's, it's bold to go out there and say that it will be what we want, but we'll have to see uh that's certainly i think that's going to be a, a later game do you think that's post e3 I, I can't remember what they've said about it in terms of release right now i um, can't remember i'd guessed guess it might be
1: like that bayonetta slot or mm. or hyrule warrior slot from 2014 could I'm, be i'm not yeah, sure could be we'll see uh
0: all right well i guess i'll close it out with my final prediction. Um, which is is this idea that Nintendo have been very much going out and forming partnerships with third-party developers, just not on creating games for their system, but on collaborating on you know known Nintendo franchises and properties. And so what I think is going to happen is that Nintendo are going to go to uh, either Konami or to Capcom and try and form a collaboration that will take place uh, for a Castlevania game or a Mega Man game. Now these two franchises have been kind Kind of left in the dark for quite a while, and both their respective companies haven't done any really great things with them uh, in in quite you know a good period of time. And you can already see from like what Nintendo have done with Mega Man and Smash Brothers how yeah. revitalized that character is. Um, I think that you know they could do like a Mario Mega Man crossover, and that would be some kind of crazy magic uh, in a bottle. Um, they just have to you know make those relationships. Just make and... sure it's a 2D platformer, and not a sports game. Right, exactly. (laughs) Let's, let's, let's get the, the genre right here. Mario and Mega Man at the... World Cup or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. So my real dream is that Nintendo um, basically partner with Konami to bring us a Castlevania Metroid crossover, and then they can call it Metroidvania, and I think <laughs> my life would be made. <laughs> I think that would be incredible. Um, but that I think that's like kind of a, a little bit outside the realm of possibility. Um, but certainly, I think that they're probably they're more likely to work with Capcom on Mega Man if they could, um, and uh, and that could be something really special if they do it right. So, I'm going to put that out there that could be like a, a rogue thing. You know, we've had the Dynasty Warriors Zelda crossover, they're doing this thing with puzzles and dragons with Mario that, you know, that they, they are going out there and making these uh crossovers happen. I think it's not stopping because it's the one way that they can get new things onto their platform without having to necessarily rely on internal developers uh and all that stuff. So, yes that is my one probably the least likely but I'm putting it out there well we'll find
1: out who has won at the start of 2016 when we record our first episode then Then we can see who's got more points that
0: time exactly (laughs) you're going to have to see if you can reclaim or just claim the crown from the top of my head (laughs) See if that's even possible Um, so yes uh, okay that is going to be pretty much us that's the end of the show um so thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate it. Uh we had a, a great 2014 and we hope 2015 will be even bigger and better for us. Uh so uh yeah, we we are We've got big to- plans. Yes, we do indeed. Things things are whirring and in motion, so you better get ready. It's going to be a big year of uh, Nintendo podcasting, I'll tell you that. So, uh, Bally, where can people find out more about you and what you do on the internet on a daily basis? You can find
1: me on the internet on the Twitters. Um, my name is at Ballyman91 B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1 I've not been tweeting a lot recently, I must say, but hopefully... I'm still worth a follow Um, (laughs) and I'm also that same name on the Miiverse where I have been posting a bit more um, recently about Captain Toad but for the future I think I'm going to be posting about Fire Emblem um, Ah. which I downloaded in a sale in 2014 so that's the first Fire Emblem on Game Boy Advance in the west Yes, yes, which is is. just called Fire Emblem
0: yeah I think most people refer to it as Fire Emblem 7 Fire Um, Emblem 7 so that's what I'll be playing absolutely so looking forward to that bally certainly that's a lot of people will want to hear your opinions on that game it is it's perhaps uh, what people call uh you know the most beloved entry in the series so uh you know I'm just, I'm just excited about those
1: safe, stri- safe
0: states. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. Uh, you can find me as well on the internet, I am at Twitter, no, that's, I've done that multiple times on this show before, I'm not at Twitter, that is obviously <laughs> Twitter itself, I'm on Twitter, uh, I'm that's at LordNBZ. Name. Uh, and I'm also uh, Lord NBZ. if you got a Wii U over the holiday which I know quite a few people did feel free to give me a follow on the Miiverse uh, and uh, I'll be sure to write some stuff and draw some things and show you my awesome Smash Brothers trophy collection because that's what I like to do on Meverse. it's a lot of fun uh, alright, uh, you can obviously listen to us on iTunes and subscribe there, that's probably the best place to get the show it will download automatically to you and all you, the time, you and get it a convenient. little bit
1: quicker as well,
0: yeah the iTunes version always goes up before the YouTube version of the show, so if you're wondering, hey you know, this should be out by this time, well go over to iTunes and it probably will be there, uh, it's a good way to get the show early before some other people so there you go. It's, uh, incentives here. It can we incentives? So go out and do that. Dangling that um, carrot. <laughs> absolutely. We have to have to you know get things get things rolling. And uh, speaking of rolling, I think we're gonna roll out of here. I don't think there's anything else we need to address. But that's the first show of 2015. Hope you all enjoyed. And I guess we'll see you next time. Uh, yeah. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs> The musical interludes in today's show were an 8 bit version of Captain Toad Goes Forth from Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, copyright Nintendo 2015, and an 8 bit version of Destiny from Fire Emblem Awakening, copyright Nintendo 2013. Alright, alright, alright. Alright, alright, alright. Good eye, good eye, good
1: eye. Good eye, good eye, good eye.
0: How's your boomerang doing?
1: Sheila, Sheila, Sheila.
0: Sheila, Sheila, Sheila. <laughs>